Welcome to Tips for the Transition, where we have deep, meaningful conversations about how significant changes can affect us, our families, relationships, and careers, and how we can move through those changes with more ease and grace. I'm your host, Maria Tomas Keegan, Certified Career and Life Coach for Women, and I'm here to help you navigate the messy seasons of life. In the fifth season of the podcast, we'll focus on career transition because in this post-pandemic world, many women are re-examining how they think and feel about their work lives. So we answer big questions like, who am I now? And how do I move on from here? The resources we create with each episode can help women move from panic to powerful and from rocky to resilient. So if you're ready to consider new options, be inspired, and meet incredible women who are on this life journey with us, you're in the right place. This is Tips for the Transition. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. And welcome to Tips for the Transition, the Career Roadmap podcast. I'm Maria Tomas Keegan, your host, and as a career uh, coach, I help professional women who feel stuck. We help to position them for the career they really want so they can feel fulfilled and create more harmony in their lives. Because when your career isn't a soulful fit, it can become a soul-sucking experience. So each week, I have inspiring conversations with women Uh, And we create resources with each episode so you can become more confident, resilient, and brave to make the moves you want to make and to do it with more ease and grace. So if something strikes a chord as we're talking here, check out the show description below for various ways to connect with my guest and me. I am really excited to uh, introduce you to Sarah Walton, because you're going to love her energy and enthusiasm first, but even better, I want you to pay attention because she is going to teach us something today that is worth listening to. Let me ask you a question. Do you sometimes notice that you feel tired all over? Your body, your brain, your spirit, does it feel as if Maybe you've reached a limit. And do you wonder why that is and why everything you try doesn't work because you still feel tired? Well, there might be a cause for that, and we are going to dig into that with Sarah today. And that's why I brought her here to join us. So let me tell you a little bit more about her. Sarah Walton is a business mentor who has been featured on the Today Show. She has spoken at women's conferences all over the world and has helped hundreds of women start and grow businesses they love. She's honed her business building skills working for startups and large corporations where she's managed huge P&Ls worth multiple millions of dollars. She's the host of a podcast called game on girlfriend and is known for her weekly coffee with coach streaming conversations on Monday mornings. Sarah speaks across the nation and has become the go-to source of inspiration, no nonsense teaching and practical integration for women in business. 
ultimately putting more money in the hands of more women. Now, who does not want that? We call this episode Moving Beyond Your Upper Limit. So, Sarah, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank Oops. you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I um, And thank you for such a gracious intro. And I agree with oh, you. Oh, here's some more money. Let's do that. Yes. (laughs) Let's do that. I'm really so glad that you're here. Um, I I have enjoyed getting to know you and speaking with you on several occasions. Um, You were actually gracious enough to have me on your podcast as well. So that will be coming up and we'll be I'm so happy to share that with with our folks. But let's start by setting the stage and describing what you mean by hitting our limit. And I think you call it that upper upper limit barrier, right? Mm -hmm. So what is it? How does it feel? And what might we experience? Yeah, the funny thing is, I I would love to know how many people either watching or listening just went, oh, I know what mine is. (laughs) (laughs) I have one, right? It's that you get to a certain point in relationships, and then they fall apart. You make a certain amount of money and then you can't. You feel like you get um, to a certain level of productivity or even joy or health and vitality and boom, all of a sudden it all goes south. (laughs) And so that's what we call an upper limit problem. And uh, that's actually not my phrase. It comes from Gay Hendricks. I always like to give credit where credit is due. I've changed it a bit since he talked about it in his book, The Big Leap, Um, But the idea here is that we as humans, okay, just bear with me. I'm going to do something that most women understand, not because I think everybody needs to lose weight, but it's something women understand, right? So let's say you go put on your favorite pair of jeans and they're a little snug and you freak out and you go, oh my gosh, these jeans can't be tied. I love them, right? So you exercise a little bit more. Maybe you pull back on the sweets or the salty stuff a little bit for several weeks. The jeans fit again and you stop the new behaviors right? You stop a little bit of extra exercise and you start going for the ice cream. Like you stop the things that gave you success. That's an upper limit problem. It's that moment when you go, ah, that's good enough. Ah, it's fine here. That's what it feels like. That idea of, oh, that's enough. It's fine. That's actually not what's at work. (laughs) What's at work is an internal belief that that really is all there is for us, that any more success in whatever area, money, work, romance, fitness, um, even your own hobbies, right? There are people who really love to do things, but they put them on the shelf. They don't go back to them. It's that all of that is the same idea. It's that same feeling. And what's actually at work is that what you believe is possible for you is at its end. (laughs) You're like... That's it. And now I'm done, which we know, of course, is a true, right, Maria? That's not true, but that's what we think. I, I love that you said that because I, I can I can think of many times in my own life. Uh, I can think of situations with my clients as well, where we think uh, the question is, is this all there, there is, right? And the answer to that is yes. For me, this is all there is. So what is what is underlying this? I, you talked uh, uh, you talk about a I'm going to call it a condition 
of codependence. What's, what is that? What is, and I think you call it high functioning codependence. So how does that play into this? How does that play into such a great question? Well, one of the reasons we have upper limit situations, <laughs> the reason that happens most of the time, there's one of three things at work. Okay. So thing one <laughs> is that we're worried we're going to be alone. We're going to be abandoned if we continue this road to success. We're going to be abandoned. If we fall more deeply in love, we can get hurt. If I get healthier, then maybe I won't have as much fun with my family because they won't have ice cream with me on Saturday nights. If I am more successful financially, am I going to lose my friends? So there's this fear of abandonment that goes on there. And then the second fear, right, is that will become a burden to others, which is so strange. You think, no, no, no. If I'm more successful, doesn't everybody want to be around me? We have a fear of that, and it tends to come from childhood. If we hear about rich Uncle Joe, right? And like, oh, well, he's doing this, and he doesn't help the family anymore, and he's off doing And we hear things like that. It could be about a wealthy neighbor. It could be about someone who's super successful. Yeah, but he's really a jerk. And what happens is we start to be concerned we're going to become a burden on our families. So we have abandonment fears. We have burden fears. And then the last fear, and this is where the high-functioning codependence kind of wraps all this up with a bow, <laughs> but the last fear is that we are breaking an unspoken family rule. And this is where most of the magic hits for people. Like, I bet there's somebody who just heard that and went, oh, we're, not supposed, we're not supposed to make more money than dad. Right. That's an unspoken family rule. But when it comes to women specifically, one of the unbroken, unspoken rules <clears throat> is that our emotional needs are not supposed to make anyone else uncomfortable. We are never to be an inconvenience to anyone. And that starts very young and it's sort of unspoken. Like when I say an unspoken mm -hmm. family rule, it's sort of unspoken. But as young girls, we hear things like, oh, where's that pretty smile? don't cry. And you hear that. And what that means is your emotion is making me uncomfortable. So stop. And what happens over time is we learn, we pick up that unspoken rule, right? And we start functioning at a really high level. And what happens is our worth as women gets completely collapsed with our ability to function, our ability to produce, our ability to be busy, our ability to make sure everyone else is comfortable no matter how we're feeling. And because we can do that, the reason women can function at such a high level, and I always joke around, I have my phone here, but it's always like, you've seen women, right? Like, yeah, could you get the chicken for dinner? Did you guys get that email? Yeah, did you get that? No, go give that to him. That belongs over there. Great. Yeah. Oh, did you guys get that? Okay, great. Thanks. Sorry, what were you saying? Like, there's so many times we see women do that. Yeah. And that's actually a physiological um, makeup of our brains. So yeah. between the right and, and left hard, hardwired to do that multitasking. Yeah. yeah. We literally have more connected tissue. We have more connective tissue between our right and left hemispheres. And that allows us to do this. And we do it really well. And then it's coupled with the fear of abandonment, the fear of being a burden, and this unspoken rule that we are never to inconvenience others. You put all that together, <laughs> and all of a sudden you're about to hit a limit, 
And those fears, those ideas, those conditioning rules that were put in place so long ago come running to the forefront and they're like, could you sit down, please? Don't do this anymore. Don't be any more successful. Go eat the ice cream. Stop reaching out to clients. Mess up your website. Stop talking about it. Go be quiet. And we go, yeah, that sounds really good. Netflix sounds great. I'm going to go. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's self-sabotaging behavior, isn't it? It is. Except- and, and, it, and it can happen so unconsciously because we have these, you call them rules. They're beliefs, right? This belief system that we have that's, that's running. It's the undercurrent, right? That's the, those stories that are running underneath everything. Mm-hmm. And holding us, literally holding us back and causing us to do things that sabotage our growth, our ability to um, to step beyond that upper limit. Although it feels uncomfortable, it's something that we know we can do. It's hard to do that with all this stuff the undercurrent, right? Well, it is because it's pulling at our most primal needs, right? We must belong. We must. Like that's, you can't beat that out of somebody, right? Like that is, we need that as humans. We need to know we're okay. We need to know we're not going to be abandoned. We need to know we're not a burden. We need to know that we understand the unspoken rules and we follow them. And that is so deeply ingrained in us. That when it comes to the moment of, yeah, let me reach out to one more client. Let me leave this job I hate. Let me actually be fulfilled. And what's right there is, if you do that, you're going to lose people. If you do that, you're going to be like a burden to other people. If you do that, you're going to make other people uncomfortable. Who the heck do you think you are? That is a hard thing to fight, right? Until we have conversations like this and we go, wait a minute. Actually, let me, let me, let me challenge that a little bit. And that's why these conversations are so important because if you actually sit down and think about it, we have this extraordinary gift as humans called language (laughs) and we can sit down with the people we love and actually start to create something new. We can create something new that's possible, but we rarely take that step to go outside and say, listen, I'm thinking of leaving my job because I am deeply unhappy. And here's what I'm thinking I could do. What do you think? Most of the time, we don't even have that conversation because we had it in our own head and we checked off all the boxes of abandonment and burden. And it was like, it, it's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll just, I'll, it's okay. It's okay. And I'll there's just... even the fear of having that conversation and it not going the way we want it to, right? So we, and, and taking ownership of what we can control in that situation. And what will we do next Yes. if it doesn't go the way we want, if we don't get the support that we really want to go, you know, to explore something else, whatever that is. So there's so many facets to this and we can get sabotaged in so many different places in on, on this journey, right. Of exploration. Yeah. So why should women care about, this thing called over-functioning. Oh, goodness. Um, I tend to get a little a little rambunctious when I talk about this, to be totally honest. <laughs> it's like, it's, I, I kind of consider this my life's work. 
because I can't take it anymore. Like I look out there in the world and I see so many women who are, okay, I call, who are doing what I call the invisible work. It's the invisible work that makes the world work. So nobody wants us to stop doing it because it's very convenient, right? And when I say invisible work, most women go, yeah, I know what you're talking about, right? It's all the cleaning, all the cooking, all the organizing, right? All the administrative tasks that we do on a daily basis, whether you have children or not, this is probably your truth. Once you have children, it becomes more apparent. I think more people recognize like, good grief, I don't think I peed today. Like there's that feeling of like, whoa. And what I have women do a lot is I'll say, just, can you just do a time audit for me? Just do a time audit of your day. Let's look at what's actually happening in your day. And what happens is they recognize that probably 75% of their daily activities are on behalf of other people. Not that that's bad. Like, please don't hear me say you should never do anyone else's laundry ever again, except should you be doing everybody else's laundry? (laughs) That's the question is like, we take on all of this work that nobody sees, all of this work that makes everything else possible And we just do it, one, because we can, two, because we're probably really good at it, and three, because it needs to get done. And so we see the need, we fill it, except what's at stake is your life. You were not put on this planet to take care of everything else while while everyone else watches TV. You were not put on this planet to clean up after everything else that everyone else does at the expense of your own joy. That's the boundary. And how many women just went, oh, my God. <laughs> Every If I ever say that and I'm in an audience where there's like a live audience, there's someone in the back inevitably who cracks a joke like, oh, my God, I feel seen. Like it's this joke. But like we all laugh because we know. Yeah. We yeah. know. And there are a lot of people in our lives who believe that we are put on this planet to do all those things. That's right. That it's our role. And, and that just helps to um, uh, solidify for us because we hear that, we see that, we, we feel the expectations of that. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard thing to break through. But when you get curious about it and you just ask about how you feel about it, is this the role that you want to be in? Whatever that is, right? That's right. And that is, and I know that you do this a lot, Maria, with people. And I think this is what makes this so important is this idea of, let's just say there's a whole like buffet of possibilities in front of you, right? I mean, this is your one and only life. You you don't get a do-over. This is it. Right. And it's all laid out for you. Are you going to be sure that what you're doing today is what you actively chose? Or did it fall on you by default? And that is a really important question. And I don't think, especially as women, because we get so busy, we don't take the time to go, hold on a second. Hmm. When did I sign up for this? Like, wait a second. When did I choose this actively as the role I want in my life? When did that happen? And most of the time it wasn't actively chosen. It was expected and we met the expectation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you just said was brilliant because that's the question. What do you want to be doing? And listen, 
none of us probably want to be doing laundry. I mean, there's some people who love it and they do the cute folding and they get all excited. That's awesome. There are people that like, that's their thing. Like I love Marie Kondo, right? She like gets all lit up. That's fantastic. That's what she's here to do is to teach people to find joy in that. That's fantastic. Delicious, right? But she chose that. And that's the difference is she took the time to say, what do I want? This is what I want. And I don't think we're giving women enough permission to do that. And, um, oh, there was a book. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you just said, I don't think we're giving women enough permission to do that. I believe that we have to give ourselves permission. We do. We have to acknowledge that uh, we are, uh, you know, worthy to be um, happy and, you know, seek joy in our own lives mm-hmm. and do what it is we feel called to do um, and examine, get curious about what we might be doing, becoming aware uh, what, of what we, we might be doing that, that isn't fulfilling us yeah. and giving ourselves permission to examine that and make different choices. Yes. And all, you know, all taking into consideration the things that you talked about before, the fear of abandonment, the fear of, of, um, and I've already forgotten the other. It's okay. No, being a burden, right? And then breaking unspoken family rules. And the rules. Right. Right. So, okay. So what happens to most women as they learn about this and, try to figure out how to move out of it. Yeah. I mean, that's the question, right? Yeah. <laughs> what do we do now? Okay, yeah. great. So we yeah. know. And, and what happens to them, right? So I, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of women out there wondering, yeah, but what if I do that? Yes. No. And that is, that's the rub, right? Is everybody's very happy if we continue to do this. And and it is a challenge. And I think you really hit on that. And I really am grateful for what you said earlier about like, yeah, but then what if I don't get that support? I go and I have this conversation and they're like, yeah, too bad, right? Oh my gosh, then what do you do? And this is where I think we as women, as the collective really need to come together. And what I was saying um, earlier that I think is really important, I think it was Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. She said something I thought was so important. And it was that a lot of these rules are upheld by other women and that this is really an extraordinary opportunity for us to be there for each other. And one of the ways we do that is watch how we speak. Right. And I always like to talk about this, you know, around school lunch, because it just makes me laugh. My, my children are no longer small, but um, it's just the idea that if a dad would ever show up for school lunch, everybody went nuts. Like, oh my God, he's so great. This is amazing. Right. They just go through this whole thing. Meanwhile, you've been there every day for three months and nobody said anything, right? Because it's expected. And not only is it expected, and this is the codependence piece, it's rewarded by other women. Oh my God, she's so selfless. She's so amazing, except listen to that first word, selfless. There is no self. There is no woman there. There's somebody who's performing. There's somebody who's producing. There's somebody who's over-functioning. And I want us as women, especially, to start to help each other out with that. And one of the best ways we can do this, like if you're like, I got to start to make some changes, is you need to look at your circle of friends and I mean that with total love. And it's not that you have to judge your friends or be mad at them if if they're part of those rules, right? Most of us have been for most of our lives. But it's just this question of how are you? 
and watch what happens. You guys, it's so fascinating. Most women will say, well, the kids are like this. My spouse is like this. This is happening in work. Da, da, da. And you have to say, no, no, no. How are you? And they'll go, well, the kids are like this. And it's like, no, 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 no. How are you? And it takes a second. And most women are like, I don't know. That's the conversation we need to support each other in having as women. And if you're starting to question and you're like, you guys, I, I think I think we need to meet up. I think we need coffee because I'm I'm feeling some things. I'm feeling some things. I listened to Maria's podcast and now I'm like, wait a second, I didn't choose that. I didn't choose that. I don't think I want that. What's this? I don't know. Oh my gosh. And in that moment, what we have to recognize is a lot of times when someone's starting to expand, when someone's starting to move beyond, we can get threatened. So what there is for us as women, as a collective, and this is why I say this is such an opportunity for all of us to go, wow, I just got nervous when she said that. One, how do I support her? Because she deserves to have a self and have a sense of self. And two, what do I want to do about this? What's going on inside of me? Right. The more we look inside and go, oh, it's because actually... I'm not happy in my marriage. I hear that so often or actually, and I know you hear this a lot, Maria, right? Like I'm not happy in my job. I hate my job. I don't even know why I'm going there every day. And that gets scary because of all of the reasons we've said. So we need to turn to each other. And I think women are uniquely qualified to support each other in this because we know what it feels like. And throughout history, we've been the ones rewarding the overfunctioning for each other. And we need to stop doing that. Yeah. You know, you said something very important, you know, this being selfless Mm. as if we at least if we put ourselves anywhere, right, very often, I'm a big proponent of self-care and that in all its forms. But if we if we put ourselves anywhere on our list, it's almost always at the bottom. Everyone else comes first. And it's as if we don't matter. And we do. And the truth of it is, if we don't elevate ourselves beyond the codependence, beyond the overfunctioning, to become our best selves first, then we're not giving our, our best selves to all those things that we do. Naturally, and maybe by choice, many of them are, Mm -hmm. but we could do them better if we elevated ourselves to the point of taking care of ourselves first. Yeah. I mean, it's everything. And it's, and I I think one of the other, one of the new things we're up against is that's become trendy self-care. And it's like, it's so much more profound than that. And what I say to people is, you know, whatever your thing is, like for some people, it's like they love to get their nails done. For other people, it's when they get their hair done. For someone else, it's when they get a new lipstick, right? Like that idea, these little things. And I'll say to them, yeah, but how do you treat the rest of your family on the day when you get your hair done your nail, or you get your favorite new lipstick or you buy some new summer sandals or whatever it is for you? Notice how differently you feel towards other people and notice your tolerance for compassion when you feel taken care of and they'll go, Oh my gosh. Right. And the reason I say it that way is we, as women, because we put ourselves last, sometimes we will do things for other people that we wouldn't do for ourselves. 
the great news about self-care is when we do this for ourselves, we end up actually spreading that. And so yes. it's such a win-win for our psyches, right? For the way that we're designed, except we actually end up making better decisions. And because we can put that compassion in, in new ways and in different yes. areas, everything tends to snowball in a positive way as opposed to a negative way. Because we all know that time we've snapped at somebody when we shouldn't have, yeah. right? cut somebody off. It's when we're, it's when we're so freaking depleted. We're not bad people, right? right? We're not, we're not horrible people, you know, and I even know women who are like, oh my God, I, I slapped my child. And it's like, they're so devastated. And I'm like, right. when is the last time you slept? When is the last time you ate something like warm? When is the last time you put on something that doesn't make you feel schlubby? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. hey, we start doing that because that's what can happen, right? So it's like, why do I care? It goes all the way down to that, but all the way up to women being truly fulfilled because I truly believe, I mean, we need more money in the hands of more women because we wouldn't do things like drop bombs on other people's children. And I know that's yeah. me thinking it all the way, but I don't think we would. I think if women had access to money and power at that level, we'd be dropping food and medicine and water on other people's children. Mm. That matters. Okay. It's down to yeah, that. You're yeah. absolutely right. Huge. Yeah. I mean, this is why I care about this because yeah. and, and, mom doesn't hit her kid all the way up to what's happening to our planet. Right. And you, you teach about money. So let's talk about the connection between making money and mm -hmm. over-functioning. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing about overfunctioning. Part of that design is that women aren't supposed to touch money. What? I know. Just stick with me for a second, right? So this whole system of we need women to do the invisible work. Invisible work is also unpaid work, right? So we need that work to get done so women aren't supposed to handle money. And if you think about it, it was not that long ago where we were considered property and we were passed from father to husband. We didn't yeah. touch money. In fact, they had to pay the dude to take us, right? Like it was like, we didn't, we didn't touch money. That dowry thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, that wasn't that long ago. Then we can go all the way to 1976 where women could not get credit cards without a man's signature. You couldn't get a mortgage without a man's signature. That was not that. I was alive when that was happening. It's not that long ago. And so what happens is these are completely connected and this is why it's going to take women to help us undo this. Like pay other women really well. <laughs> like, yeah, don't be like, oh, it's okay if you just come over and make me curtains, right? You pay the woman. We got to break this cycle because it's the over-functioning. We're so busy over-functioning. We're not noticing, like, wait a second, I'm doing this and that person's doing the exact same thing. They're getting paid twice as much. Wait, what? And for yeah. our, our sisters of color, we know it's even worse, right? So there's this, this deep-seated connection between our over-functioning and us not getting paid. And both of those go together. So we need to un, un, uncollapse them, right? We need to pull them apart as the two separate right. that they are. And as we stop over-functioning and we say things like, I'm going to delegate that, I'm going to pay someone else really well to do that. Or I'm going to have the other human beings that are in my community household. They're going to be taking care of those things. I'm not taking care of that for five people. I'm taking care of that for one person. You take care of it like that, right? Once that starts to stop, we have the time and the energy to either produce more in our work in a way that actually requires higher pay 
or we create those of us that are entrepreneurs, we create new products or services in a way that has our full time and attention, not over functioning, hustling, frenetic behavior, right? But time and attention, it's imbued with love and quality and value. And now that is worth more and we charge more for that and people happily pay for it because the results are even better. So that's, that's how we start to uncouple that. And if you get worried about money, I, I know for so many, you hear the word money and it's like trigger, trigger, trigger. It's just like, ah, to recognize that's part of that package, right? You don't want to be slimy. You don't want to be greedy, right? That's about not making other people uncomfortable with your own wealth. Right deeply connected that's understanding what our value is and it starts with taking a a careful look at what it is you what are those underlying beliefs that you have about who you are what you deserve and what you're worth in whatever the scenario, right? And it's not the worth piece is not necessarily money. Right. You know, it's not attached to a value of money, but it's attached to a value of something and understanding what that is for you Mm -hmm. is that it's, it's at the, it's at the foundation of this, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I actually call that self-trust. Um, Because, you know, especially because I obviously I work with entrepreneurs, right? And we do a lot of work around money and sales, right? And the and the yuckiness people feel around those things that men tend not to feel as much as women, right? Because we're not supposed to have the money, we're not supposed to be that that like out there in the world, right? So really working through those ideas. And you know, I'm always careful too, by the way, just really quickly, about the word worth when it comes to, you know, people say charge with their worth, and I've said it too. I've become very careful because your worth as a human is invaluable. Like we can't put a, (laughs) your worth. It's 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 not connected to money. You're amazing. Like you are worth so much. You're a human being. Like you're put a price on that. Um, But understanding, and this is just the truth, right? So understanding when I teach sales, for example, it's about helping other people get through something faster and with less pain. And if you can create that for someone, they'll pay you. And understanding that money will always flow to where the perceived value is highest. Mm. Perception tends to come from us, (laughs) right? So when we're out there saying anything from, yes, I can make you curtains. I can make this amazing painting. I can be your coach. um, I can make this amazing meal for you. um, I can run your company for you. I can create an advertising plan for you, whatever it is for us to come in the perceived value of the work, not the human, of the work matters. And we need to own that. And just to break that down one more, just like one more level. So when I say money flows to where the perceived value is highest, I'll tell you guys, I'm like a Starbucks nut. It makes no sense that I spend money on Starbucks, right? No sense. Like I pay $8 for a cup of coffee that probably costs them good wise, 60 cents, right? Like this is not a logical thing (laughs) for me. (laughs) 
the perceived value of walking in that dang store with that smell and the green thing and the straw and the th- I love it so much. For me, that's a perceived value I'm happy to pay, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. When you create something that causes that reaction in other people, when you bring joy, when you help them get through something, it gets me through my day faster and with less pain, right? Like I'll pay for that. That mm-hmm. experience, when we can honor that we generate that for other people in whatever industry we're working in, all of a sudden, all that gunk around money or asking for a raise or sales, all of it disappears. And instead, it's replaced by joy and excitement and a right. level of fulfillment. And that's what will help change the world is when women are truly feeling fulfilled that way and being paid appropriately for that. Oh, my gosh, there's nothing better. That cycle of abundance and happiness and care for each other. It's like, I mean... I don't even, what, what do we say? World peace? Like there's so much. There. Well, I, you know, I was, I don't know about world peace, but one of the things I was just thinking about is one of the values I attach to certain things is peace of mind. Yes. So there, I will pay a premium sometimes for something to get peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and so, the, yeah, value and worth are, they are not always attached to mo- to money. That's right. Um, we, you and I, could chat about this forever. Uh, I, yes. I, I want to get. I say that to so many of my guests because I love these conversations that we have, uh, and we could, we could, we could chat for a long time. Um, and I love your energy, and I love what we're talking about here, and I want to get to. Um, your favorite tips, what mm. practical strategies do you have for our audience today that will they'll be able to take away and and implement perhaps maybe it's something they've never tried before, never heard, or it's something they've heard about, tried, but there's a tweak here. What have you got for us in that regard? (laughs) I love this question. It's so great that you do this. I think, you know, one of my favorite ways to start the day, and this is funny, just give me a second because you might go, but Sarah, you just told us to put ourselves first. Just stick with me for a second. There are two questions I'd love to ask in the morning. Number one is who needs me at my best today? I love this question. And most of the time, it's you. (laughs) So who needs me at my best today? today. When you ask that question, somebody will pop into your head. If it's you, pay attention to that and say, okay, what do I need to do for me? How can I show up as my best for me today? And it could be you need to make doctor's appointments you haven't made. It could be you need to call back that client that you were a little scared to sell to. It could be that you need to um, update your website or your LinkedIn profile, right? There's things you're like, oh, I need me at my best. Like I need to treat me like I'm a million dollar client of myself. Because if that's like, I'm going to do everything I need. I'm going to make sure everything's handled, right? So if that's the case, do that for yourself. And then if someone else comes into mind, I want you to reach out. Right then, right? And if you have more than one, I don't, I don't want you to go more to three, more than three. Okay, so it could be you and then like two people. And it might be an old friend from high school. It might be someone you haven't talked to in years. And it might be like your parents or your spouse or whatever. Reach out to them right then with a text, an email, or a phone call. 
I got to tell you, this one practice has changed so many of my clients' lives. They're like, oh my gosh, I got in touch with so-and-so. And they were actually hiring for this job. I haven't seen her since I was 15 and they were hiring for this job. They just hired me to do And I'm like, what just happened, right? So yeah. amazing how that can happen. So just that one question, who needs me at my best today? I love that. Yes. Love so that. And, and here's, here's the thing that, that occurs to me when you ask yeah. that question. Who needs me at my best today? And if it is someone else, mm -hmm. I first have to be at my best to give my best. Ta-da. Yes. Ta-da. So yes. it is always, <laughs> yes. right? The answer should always be, and how can I be at my best so I can give my best? Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I what, what can happen often is, like I said, doctor's appointments, like, oh my gosh, I haven't checked on this. I haven't, like, let me go make sure I'm at my best. Cause it, it, it see, it plants that seed. You, you, you absolutely picked up on that. And that's exactly the point. Yeah. All right. Great. I love that. What's your second one? My second favorite question is what one thing, one, not 20, <laughs> what one thing can I do today to make everything else easier? or make some things not necessary? And I love this question because it stops the over-functioning, right? It can slow down that over-functioning piece. And that makes me super happy, right? So, because we want to do that. Um, but the other thing it does is it has you sort of zero in. And obviously I work with business owners, right? So the uh, temptation to do 89,000 things is so high. But this idea of what's the one thing I can do today that would make everything else easier or make several things unnecessary. And when you look at it that way, all of a sudden things start to make sense and your stress level goes down because there's only one thing you absolutely need, absolutely need to do instead of 59 million things you absolutely need to do. There's one. And what happens is once we focus in on that, and I always tell all my clients, like it's a revenue producing task because that makes everything else easier. <laughs> you want to be making money in your business, right? So what's the one thing you can do today? And for people looking at transitioning, you know, the, the, the ways that you support people, Maria, it's like, what's the one thing I can learn? What's the one thing I can acquire? What's the one thing I need to say? What's the one thing I need to write? Who's the one person I need to reach out to? It just stills the mind down to actually have the project or idea move forward in, in such a powerful way without the stress and the overwhelm and the hustle. I don't do hustle. Again, a really powerful tip right there. Um, you're right. And it, and it, it stops when we ask ourselves that question. And I love that you limit it to one. I'm, I usually say uh, for my clients, no more than three because we can handle things in threes usually, and it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I, I would, to be perfectly honest with you, Sarah, if I could only do one thing, if I, if I had to think of only one thing, that would be harder for me. But to think of three things, so we have just a, a, a slight uh, difference yeah. in how we, how we approach this, but it's a powerful thing to do just kind of set yourself down, think about the one or two or three things. And I, and the second part of this is, is, is the most power, powerful part. What can I do to make it easier for me? And, and it's almost like, who can I, who can I 
solicit help from to help me make it easier. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I love about the question, right? You, you nailed it because it makes the mind focus. Yeah. And you're immediately like, actually, what is, what is actually important today? Not what do I think I should be doing, <laughs> but actually what's important. And that is, um, I think that's the twist on this that is so valuable because as women, we'll, we'll keep going, 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 going. It's like, nope, hold on. Right. What's most important. Yeah, what's most important, right. And that, that has to do with, you know, what do you value most, right? Yep. And yeah, well, what your goals are in the moment too. And in, Right, right. Mm-hmm. And what, what will have the most will bring you the most of anything, right? Yes. What will bring you the most uh, accomplishment, joy, happiness, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are great questions. <laughs> yeah. They're really great, great, great questions. Uh, and, and we have to, we have to wrap it up here. It goes so fast, doesn't it? It does go fast. I've so enjoyed this conversation and your tips are, are spot on. The questions are powerful. I hope everyone had the opportunity to write those down uh, as you are sharing them. Um, So Sarah, I know there are going to be some people who want to connect with you directly. So would you tell us the one best way that they can do that? Absolutely. You can head on over to my website and that's sarahwalton.com. So that's Sarah with an H. I get asked a lot. And the last name is Walton. I wish it was the Walmart family. It's not. Sometimes I'll say like the Walton family on TV and people who are old enough like like me, they know what that means, but it's sarahwalton.com. That's wonderful. Thank you. You're so funny. (laughs) You're so funny. I love that. Um, Yeah. Maybe you are related. Who knows? Who knows? But I better call them if I am, right? (laughs) Sarah, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your your gifts today and your wisdom and your tips. Uh, I know that you've helped a lot of people who are watching and listening. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a joy. It is my pleasure. All right. So I want to thank everyone else who has joined us and is watching or listening I appreciate that you are a part of uh, our community here. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a comment or a review. And if there's a star rating where you are, uh, pick a star. We would love to get your feedback. And as I said at the top of the show, I love creating and sharing resources for professional women who feel stuck in their careers. So if something in this episode resonates with you and you'd like to get a a fresh perspective on it, reach out and let's chat. You'll find all the links for Sarah and for me in the show notes below. And I invite you to continue the conversation on my private Facebook group called The Career Transition Roadmap. You'll find the link for that below as well. Come join us there and let's, uh, let's talk some more about this subject. And then let's meet again here next Wednesday, same time, uh, 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, because you know what? I believe it's our time to thrive. So let's thrive together. I'm Maria Tomas-Keegan. Till next time, we're turning transition into triumph. Mm-hmm.